0: Awake the Tribe podcast tells the intimate and personal stories of everyday people who are doing the hard work of transmuting their familiar programming, societal expectations, generational traumas, colonization mindsets, and patriarchy perspectives. These are the inspiring and celebratory stories of the brave, true, and awake. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Awake the Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Rhoda Tadorn, and today I have the great pleasure to have Rebecca Capelli with us. Rebecca Capelli decided to quit a successful career to work in nonprofit. She's a filmmaker, she has a film out called Let Us Be Heroes. Is now on YouTube. She is a sought after public speaker and award winning filmmaker, as I mentioned. Her work aims to assist a mass consciousness awakening to alleviate human and non human suffering. Welcome, Becca. Thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I was trying to figure out how we connected through Instagram, but I think we just really liked whatever we posted and we would just connect like that. We just vibed. And so I know that we have a lot to talk about. And also I know that I have a lot to learn from you as well. Likewise. Talk about all the things that you're working on right now in terms of film and anything else. I think you do rescues as well.
1: Um, Yes. So rescues happen when I'm somewhere and you know, I have the opportunity to save someone, so um, I would I would do what I can, uh, but it is not something that I focus most of my time on. It's really, for me, rescuing animals has always been um, an opportunity, like something happened, an animal is there, needs saving, I can do it, so I do it. Um, it's always like that. And um, I am, um, so I do a lot of public speaking, But after doing public speaking for three years, I realized that the impact was quite low. Um, You know, it's not really scalable, right? So I decided to turn to filmmaking and I made um, Let Us Be Heroes, a short film. And uh, what happened with Let Us Be Heroes was that there was a beautiful flow, you know, uh, doors opening, things being in place effortlessly. So of course, um, there is hard work to put in, but it was always very effortless in a way. And so that really comforted me to think, oh, well, maybe I should make films now. So I am working on a feature documentary on um, the fashion industry, and uh, that's all I can say right now. (laughs) But uh, I will be very happy to communicate more at a later stage.
0: Very exciting. I know for me, when I became vegan, my whole worldview just basically changed. There was something in me that kind of snapped open and I saw just how violent our world is. Uh, Nonviolent communication also helped further that um, in terms of my just seeing how much we're indoctrinated into violence in everything that we consume physically and mentally, uh, would you say that becoming vegan was a catalyst for you or was there other ways that you became aware of how deep and wide our world is?
1: (laughs) Yes, I think, uh, so my awakening sounds very similar to yours. That was really a moment where I was opened up into, and I could see things for what they really were. Um, and uh, but prior to that, I had just become a mother, so I think that that has played a role. When I was pregnant, I started to educate myself more on what's going on in the world. Um, what about our food choices? What about our diet? And um, because I wanted to just be more conscious now that I was bringing a human in this world, I wanted to learn more about this world. It was no longer just me and my little bubble of fun. And, um, and so I think that started it. But for me, education, I was educating myself, but I was not changing my behavior. And so uh, one day, but I had this question in the back of my mind, you know, like when we consume suffering, I mean, when, when an animal dies, And then we consume the suffering, like where does the suffering go? And I would never go and try to find an answer to that question, but that question was there for quite a while. And what happened was um, I just had the realization that we humans cause a lot of unnecessary suffering, not necessarily because we are bad people, but because we are careless or things are not convenient for us we have a very self-centric view of the world and so as a result our action caused a lot of violence a lot of suffering and when i became aware of that i realized in that same moment that i had to withdraw myself from this violence i just i was always since i was a kid very conscious of you know the heaviness of this world of the violence in this world um, but in that moment, I took a decision to remove myself from this equation. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to be conscious and I'm going to be responsible in the best of my own capacity. And I was sitting at a Japanese restaurant. You know, all this was happening when I was sitting at a restaurant with my husband, my in-laws. And so suddenly I realized, well, here I am. I'm sitting down. I'm talking about violence, but I am eating the flesh of you know, beings. I am eating, you know, pork belly and chicken and this and that. And um, right there on the spot, I asked, um, asked the, the the waiter to just give me rice and whatever vegetable they had to finish my meal. And that was really much on the spot. Um, very overnight decision. And so it's one day I had meat in my fridge. The next day I had animals, body parts in my fridge. And waking up to that was a shock because I realized, as you say, how indoctrinated we are. That since I was a kid, I was betraying myself and I was betraying my values and who I am. I was just living in complete, you know, conflict or dissonance with who I really am. And I am so happy that I got this realization. Of course, we always say, I wish it was earlier, but I think I believe in perfect timing anyways. And um, and that, yeah, that, so that was the catalyst of a lot of things. So I started to educate myself from there. And I was, I just consumed every piece of information on the topic I could, I listened to, honestly everyone who had something to say about that out there and I realized very quickly that a big thing um, a big reason why we behave this way is that we are not educated we don't have the knowledge that's one reason that's not the only reason and so I decided to become a public speaker and to go and talk to people in their workplace for free Because I wish, you know, when I was busy with my life and my career, I wish someone came one time and just explained to me all these things, you know, tell me that we have a choice that actually we could live a healthy life, understand more about nutrition, understand about our impact on the planet and understand also that what we are doing to the animals. So I started doing that and then that snowballed into filmmaking. So that's where I am today.
0: really interesting how becoming a parent really from all levels your eyes open up when you make that decision to be conscious right from the get-go you start thinking about the deodorant or the toothpaste that you use and the doctor tells you or the midwife or whoever tells you that you shouldn't eat raw fish and then you start thinking why do I need to eat it when I'm not pregnant? Like, what is it doing to my body? Why is it different? You know, and so we start dismantling all these things that are just taken for granted. And I love I love that journey. It's such a snowball effect, I think.
1: No, I just want to say that that said, I don't think you have to become a parent to have an awakening. True, But for some of us, and, and also some of us are parents and we don't have this awakening, but I do think that it does play a role, uh, an important role um, in some cases, in my case, in your case <laughs> as well, um, because I, don't, I do think that suddenly we are this vessel of life and we are, you know, the guardian of, you know, life. And that cannot not have an impact. You know, that does have an impact. And uh, it, is, it is beautiful. But that being said, I think everybody can awaken in different ways. Um, and it's all perfectly fine.
0: So true. And, and like you said, it's divine timing. Sometimes you have to be ready for it and be able to step into that role. Which brings me to the quote that you had posted, which I really love changes about becoming who you truly are and I really love that idea because it's not like you're changing from one thing to another that's completely different to me it's like removing these constructs that the world has been put that we put upon ourselves the world has put upon ourselves um even just like what we were talking about you know like Dis- education. I've gone on and off vegetarian all my life, knowing that I didn't want to eat meat because of the suffering. But I had no idea about milk production and dairy. I, I just took it for granted. You see these happy cows on packages and you think, oh, they're just willing to just give their milk away. They're not mothers who have babies who need the milk. And it wasn't until I actually realized that, that I made that connection. So it's, a, it's kind of connecting those things that are so inherent in our society that we just take for granted and then taking those blinders off. I really love that quote. Is there some, something else that you want to add to it in terms of how you see yourself developing and- getting the message out there and
1: I, I think um, yes, we are scared of change in general. I, I was never afraid of change myself, but I was also not aware that I was really living in my comfort zone and what I knew. So uh, to me changing like everything that I've changed in terms of my lifestyle, the way I, I eat the way I I don't know behave cha- uh, purchase etc etc it's really it's been about aligning myself more and more with who i am and listening to my instinct to my intuition and just just staying in that spot where you really listen to yourself and that's what i tell people you know for me i use the image of the butterfly of the caterpillar going through chrysalis and becoming butterfly to me that is change that is a real change it's about becoming your greatest version it's about exploring your full potential being as healthy as you can, being as happy as you can. And you know, finding your purpose in the process um, is beautiful as well. And for me, what has evolved over the last few years, again, it's hard to pinpoint when was the start of, the, of this evolution, but you know, it keeps shifting and shifting. It's, it's, it's a journey. Uh, but I would say since the last five years, like, it's been accelerating a lot, especially the last two two years and um, what I see for me is that I am becoming more and more anchored in my mission in what I do and um, I have let go of illusions I have let go of expectation I have let go of some judgments although I do think that using judgment to determine what's good from bad is really important. It's not about judging people and pointing fingers, but it is about, we need to have good judgment and critical thinking. So, um, so one big thing that happened and I don't know if, (laughs) I mean, for me, it's really a good thing, positive thing, but I have lost hope in people. (laughs) So how do I explain that? Um, I think when I started to do what I do now, I was always carrying in my in myself the the hope that it would have an impact on people. And I was always thinking about making an impact, et cetera. And I do still think about that, right? Uh, what I do, I always think in terms of impact. But now, I think it was last year when I went back to China, um, where I lived for 10 years before that, I went back to China and I saw the scale of consumerism, of capitalism. And China really is just doing what the West has been doing for a very, very long time. Only there are 1.3 or more billion people now. So that really gave me a good reality check and understand that what we need to focus on, what I need to focus on for myself is yes, I am still here to hold a mirror, share the truth, you know, build windows into these industries and everything they're trying to hide. And I'm going to save lives whenever I can. And that is, that is it. I do not believe that people will awaken in mass right now. I don't know maybe I will have another shift Um, but to me it's not being negative or anything it's being you know working with the reality we live in right now and since I have I had this shift I feel very good (laughs) I feel very happy anchored and stronger than before very determined very focused Um, so to me this is this has been something that uh, one of the biggest shift over the last few years because when I started I was hoping and imagining, etc., And who's, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, but I do think that humans will change their behavior because they are forced to, not because they have suddenly an awakening. Some of us will have. I meet incredibly beautiful people, incredibly, you know, gifted people and altruistic, generous, um, who sacrifice their lives even for others. And I do have hope. In some individuals but in a mass awakening right now that's not where I am at Uh, I would love to be wrong
0: it sounds like you've gained a sort of acceptance
1: yes and I think this acceptance really gives me more strength in a way yes
0: yeah I feel the same way because I know that our outlooks are similar in terms of what's going on in the world and how crazy it is. And I'm not gonna go into specifics of that (laughs) because we will go on forever. The list is long. uh, And and there are a lot of polarities, you know, there's a lot of differences of opinions. Um, But what I find is that I'm not, my lane is not to awaken people. It's for me to present other realities that other other people are invited to and if it resonates with them, then they they will come and they will we will connect and we will broaden our horizons and we will up level our little tribe, but and grow that out. And I do feel that there are these like little pockets of freedom that we're creating like for example you're in Singapore but we've connected so there's all these little beautiful webs that are being created around the world where we're connecting with each other and then you have your own little pod of freedom where you are with your people that resonate with your message and the life that you envision and I have mine and then it just keeps growing from there on so i think that yes i agree with you there is strength that happens when you kind of accept that and not try to change other people and allow them to just be to come to it on their own
1: That's right, so my only issue with that is that while everybody is on this journey of change and not change, um, we are causing immense suffering to the animals and I can never condone that. So, you know, and not just animals, you know, I know people who are very well aware of what is happening in the fast fashion industry, but who continue to fund these industries and buy from from certain brands. So for me, it's really, that's my issue with the whole thing, you know? It's not about forcing people to change, you know? People, yes, of course, you should be, you know, doing what you want if it doesn't harm someone else, if it doesn't harm the planet. And I think we have to be more conscious of that. But that being said, I do not have this expectation to change people. I have the right information to safeguard the health of myself and of my family. Some people, you know, some people will, have access to that information through me and they will make some changes in their lifestyle. And then they will, it will have some ripple effect. Um, But in the meantime, I think uh, it's important to really be in the now and do the best we can right now, right where we are.
0: Right. I think there's a distinction there in terms of you don't have to wake people up per se, but for you to stand in your truth and to voice it out and call call out um, things that you don't think are right. If someone's being hurt and or doing some sort of harm to our earth or somebody else or a group of people, then it's our job, really. It's our responsibility. And I think that that's a really beautiful segue into veganism because there's a lot of pushback that you I'm sure you've had in terms of people judging and thinking of vegans as being a certain way but really it's just standing in our truth and calling it the way
1: it is. Right yes it is Um, in terms of pushback I think that in Asia we don't have the stigma Around vegans. Uh, it is associated somehow with Buddhism, um, like more like a religious beliefs, but it doesn't have this really heavily negative connotation, um, just because it is um, in its infancy in that regard here. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I was never one to care a lot about the judgment of others. And so I don't really mind, you know, if people judge. I mean, really, uh, <laughs> I don't mind at all. Um, what I have seen over the years is people coming to me after my talks, you know, with tears in their eyes and saying, wow, yes, this is amazing. And I'm going to, you know, go back and do this and do that. And somehow we connect on Facebook or something. And the next week they're cooking bacon. So, <laughs> you know, that the thing is... For example, if I look at Let Us Be Heroes, it has had beautiful reception, but sometimes I'm a little worried about how well it's been received. And I think, "Wow, am I really doing a good job if people just love it and then, of course, they decrease and that's their path. But... I think if you have, for maximum impact, you will have more controversy, and this is where I'm going next, I think. The next topics that I'm going to touch on, and the way I'm going to touch on them, um, I think will bring more conversation, more controversy. I think by now, everyone knows that you know, eating a whole food plant-based diet is healthy. Uh, whether or not we are in denial of it is another question. Um, But uh, everyone knows that, yes, we need to eat more veggies and fruits to be healthier. Everyone knows that, yes, it's bad for the planet. And people are still trying to avoid talking about the animals. So one thing that I do a lot, I get invited a lot to talk about sustainability and health. But I always talk about the animals. We cannot pretend that these industries do not have victims. We cannot pretend that this is not happening. And I think... We do that. We, we avoid looking at what we do to the animals because it hurts. If we really sit down and look at what we are doing, it is going to be extremely painful because we have empathy. I think most of us do. Um, whether or not you know empathy is turned on or off, this is, again, another question. But we do have that in us. And, um, and, and I think it's really important to normalize the conversation around the animals, not just about building the bigger cages, just, but questioning our use of them or exploitation of you know, sentient beings. And the scale and what we are doing to them is uh, horrific and it's, uh, it's, it's plain evil. So, you know, without getting into any theories or anything, if you really observe what we are doing. We live in a very evil cult. As you said, you opened and said, you know, violence is normalized at all levels. Um, And we need to recognize that. We need to really look at what is painful and then take it from there and see, okay, maybe it's time that we change. We need to change. We, we, We cannot go on like that. And it's just, it's it's everything is connected you know what we do to our bodies we do to the planet we do to the animals what we do to the animals we do to our bodies you know we cannot hope to live in a healthy happy peaceful world when we are condoning violence three times a day
0: i love that you're making that connection because it reminds me of You know, when you're going through an awakening process or going through changes to improve yourself internally, there is that pain that you go through when you're looking at all the things that you've done and all the ways that you looked at things and people. And there's that huge amount of guilt that you have to face and there's forgiveness that you have to give to yourself and other people. And that's the most difficult thing is to see the suffering you've caused and the suffering that you've caused to yourself as well, not just other people. And then you magnify that out a little bit further into, like you said, three meals a day when you start thinking about all the suffering that you've caused by consuming animals and animal products, And the victims of those products, it's it could really bring someone down for a really long time. And I love that it's a it's a holistic approach that you're doing as well because it's not just there's a emotional element that you're bringing into the conversation. It's not just a very judgmental like don't do this it's wrong it's a, a very like i said holistic view of what we're doing and the impact of it on both sides of the fence so to speak
1: yes and i thank you you raise a, a very important point um i am bringing the emotion in the conversation because we live in a world where we uh, put data, facts, and, you know, the mind above everything else. And I have to say, for most of my life, this is how I operated. Because when you go through some suffering, um, one way, one defense mechanism you can have, and the one that I had, was to um, just repress my emotions so deeply that I would not feel anything. But this is something that is very unconscious. Um, and so I decided that somehow that the mind was stronger and more important and more, um, I don't know, valuable in a way, more worthy, and that people who would be in their emotions would be weak. And that's how I thought. So I went overly yang energy. Um To protect myself and that served me very well in a lot of respects it did help me with my drive with accomplishing achieving getting myself out of difficult situations um but sooner or later you know the check comes (laughs) sooner or later you have to come back into balance and when it does when that time comes then um you do have to face it and so for me I think for the better first part of my life, I just suppressed my emotion and I ignored my emotions. And I thought I was fine with a lot of things, um, but then I didn't process them. So now I'm still now processing things that happened twenty years ago, that on that moment I didn't feel anything or I didn't have the you know the space to to feel the, the, those emotions. And and that's that. And what I realized is that most of my life, I, I ran away from my emotions thinking that would make me weak. And actually now it's my superpower. You know? So embracing my empathy, embracing my emotions makes me, I mean, it's not quantifiable, so much stronger and aligned into who I am. And I know I'm not the only one. So we do need, we need a good balance. We need facts and we need emotions. We need emotional intelligence as well, you know, and, and that is really, really important. That being said, when I give talks and I share facts, people say, yes, I want facts. I want facts. Okay, I give facts, but people still don't change based on facts <laughs> so because there's no emotional connection. So I try to bring this emotional connection. And of course, that depends on where people are, you know, on that moment, on that day, etc. Um, but uh, but I do think it's really really important that we embrace how we feel and feel fully everything. Maybe we don't have time on the, a particular moment, but we need to process it later.
0: So true, and I and I think that it that's when change occurs too. When you have two opposing perspectives and you just speak heart to heart, that's when the shifts happen. When you're growing together and learning from each other that that's when change happens and I think that's hopefully my hope is that that's the future that's the change that's going to happen and a mass awakening I am still hoping for that
1: too i'm still i mean i I love the idea, and i'm still i I'm sure like part of me still hopes to see that I don't know a couple of centuries down I don't know when, but anyways um but my focus um is not there
0: yeah, as we were going back and forth, you mentioned the the new age fallacy and mistake that there is no good and bad. I wanted to go back into your judgments about that and you know, there's this idea that we're supposed to just live in this field where we don't judge and everything can coexist. And I just want to hear more about what you have to say about
1: that. So this is my, um, my perspective. And I think it's beautiful to want to be in a field of non-judgment but it cannot be an excuse to absolve ourselves from all responsibilities. What I see a lot happening is people hiding behind non-judgment concept or idea to really, number one, not do their inner work, not go deep enough, and secondly, to avoid all responsibilities about their own actions. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in a field of pure joy and acceptance of others, etc. But we have incarnated in the human experience, no matter what we want to, you know, we I'm very open to how we want to read, you know, where we are today, but we are in a very real world where suffering is very real. And if our actions are causing suffering, I mean, one thing that I often say is we are free to make our own choices, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices. And we need to exercise good judgment. We need to understand when we do something, is this good in the way that is this, you know, contributing to some higher good or is this contributing to? suffering, self-suffering, suffering suffering of others. Um, i give you an example. Yes, we are all free to smoke cigarettes, okay? And in the case of cigarettes, we know that it is harmful to our body. So we need to judge the cigarettes as knowing that smoking cigarettes is not healthy. That is a judgment based on facts and there's nothing wrong with judging in this way. So when we contribute to suffering with our lifestyle behavior, again, whether it is, you know, somehow having a really big impact on people who are exploited or on the animals who are exploited and slaughtered, we need to have the same good judgment. We need to understand. We cannot pretend that picking up a fruit and putting a knife in the throat is the same thing and that ultimately all is one and perfect and you know, we cannot judge anything. And, and you know, that is not awakening. That is not spirituality. I think it's, it's a big ne- denial. And I would love to see more people just being more honest and more authentic, just seeing things as what they are rather than, you know, what they wish they were. So this is, for me, a big thing that I see. Um, I, I am, um, I've had to go and seek help of alternative therapies a few years ago Um, because after running to all allopathic doctors and nobody could help me (laughs) i realized okay i need to do something different and so i've been in a lot of circles of all kinds of modalities and, and beautiful people beautiful modalities and i am forever grateful for those people but i have to say a lot of them would still consume animals and flesh and Again, you can look at it and think, oh, Rebecca is judging. How judgmental of her. Or you can also look at it thinking, well, it's true. You're spending your whole life, like your whole day, meditating and thinking about peace and love and, you know, moaning love when you hug someone. Yet, you are not addressing that you are eating the suffering. You know, you are eating the flesh of someone who screamed and tried to escape. And who died in really really i mean terrifying conditions, so for me there's a big disconnect there um, for a lot of people and um I just want to call it out that's all. we should be more conscious, everybody should be more conscious and uh, Especially the ones who say they are more conscious, I find sometimes they are less conscious about this kind of thing. Or I find they have the biggest resistance um, about that. So it's interesting, you know, before I started speaking, I thought, okay, um, the, the animal lovers will be very receptive to the message. And the people who work in banks, they will be very conservative and against everything I have to say. And uh, that was completely wrong. So <laughs> I have found resistance in places I would never expect resistance, and I have found openness in places I have I have never thought I would find that you know open heart and mind. So that also taught me less judgment in that regard. Uh, but that being said, I think we we're talking about two different concepts when we talk talk about judging. You know, again, judging what is good and bad is a good thing. We need to have that. Now, judging someone for their behavior, no, it's not really (laughs) helpful in any way for anybody.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a level of consciousness or mindfulness around everything. When you look at... um, Because usually in comments, when someone posts about being vegan, there's all these different arguments that we hear all the time, right? And then there's this whole idea, a romanticized idea of, say, Native Americans or Indigenous tribes who hunt. And so there's this idea that there's this, like, beautiful moment between the animal and the animals, like, just giving up their life. And it's, that's not the reality for day-to-day, first of all, everyday reality. The slaughterhouses are, that's not happening. And then there's also, you know, the victims of slaughterhouses, like the, not just the animals, the workers. But the workers who work there who have extreme PTSD. And, you know, there's just so many levels of suffering that are in the industry. And I'm glad that you're bringing it all up because it's, it's a way that we co- compartmentalize all these different levels to make it okay to do whatever we were doing that made us feel good
1: we need to understand that we are manipulated by extremely powerful forces that you know we're talking about billions of dollars we're talking about millions in communication we're talking about a narrative that fits very well the narrative of you know I would say unethical um, capitalism or just capitalism for some people, that you have to be above someone else to succeed. You know, we have to be on top of the food chain and we have to be above someone else. And that's the way it is. You know, if you want to work your way up in your career, you will have to, you know, get people out of your way, et cetera. So we need to understand that. And uh, this manipulation occurs on so many different levels. And yes, the manipulation... And the exploitation of the image of indigenous people uh, is worrisome, you know, to say, oh, but look at what they are doing, you know, they are so pure and perfect. And, you know, yes, the way that they were doing, I mean, I wish the world was, you know, living that way for sure. But today, this is not the case. This is 2020. If we have a choice, if we can choose to eat something, to purchase something with the least amount of suffering why are we not doing that that's the question
0: very good question and i and i thank you for bringing it up too that it's a whole complex system that you buy into when you eat a certain way and dress a certain way and you're looking at big pharma and the amount of money that's being made with the people that are getting sick and it's just a whole very complex system
1: it is a culture and it is the culture we live in so growing up for me the vegetarians were the weirdos Um, they were a bit of the outcast i did not relate to these people and i did not understand them at all and i was judging them for sure I was very judgmental in my youth. I saw. I think um, just the way that someone would, you know, uh, the kind of clothes they would wear or the kind of diet, et cetera. And what I did not understand with vegetarians, for me, like all the vegetarians that I met were very, um, how to say, they were not part of, well, they were a bit of outcast. Um, and they were also... At that time, I thought they were weak. I understand that's not the case. But they were also very laid back about a lot of things. And for me in my life, I could not be laid back because um, I lost my father when we, I was 16. And my mother was a widow with four kids. I was the eldest. And I had to be hyper-focused in my life. I could not be laid back. I had to think, okay, so now how am I going to you know, do my studies? How am I going to get out of this financial mess because yeah single single parent with four kids um is not a good situation and um and so for me i did not relate i was really again in a very combative yang energy you know so i did not relate at all to the people who were embracing something that was really peaceful the other thing I think is that sometimes for me, I, at least unconsciously, I was subconsciously, I was trying to mirror my father and this yang energy and my father loved to eat meat. So, you know, I think I was also, okay, I'm, I'm strong. So I'm love meat and I eat a lot of meat all the time. And that was my life. That was how I was identifying myself. So these things are We have these identities in our cultures, we have this concept around what is, you know, we have entire stereotypes and definitions of what is a strong person. And for me at that time, being a strong person was definitely not being vegan. Uh, Now I understand that it was a complete construct, (laughs) that it has nothing to do. Uh, On the opposite, you're just following, you know, whatever indoctrination you're fed. So that was not a strong thing to do. And again, later you have to pay the price. Um, you have to heal your body and you have to heal your mind. Um, but uh, I think it's it's important to really question the stereotypes, the ideas, the identities um, that we have in our society. It's true.
0: And it it really relates to the whole awakening process, at least for me, in terms of you know, when you start separating yourself from all these identities, like when you're meditating, you start having that separation grow more and more. And then you start seeing all these different identities, like you said, and being able to sort through them and choose which one you want to work with or stay with or none at all or whatever. That's the power that you're talking about in terms of you know not going with the flow and there's all these judgments about the peace loving people and and all that They were but, right
1: all along. <laughs> they were right all along. I mean I'm so sorry for judging people who were right all along and now I even went even deeper than some of them you know in a way so I I really embrace it and yes um, looking at these identities and really looking is it something of my own or is it an identity that comes from a wound is it an, an identity that comes from society construct? really understanding where they come from and, you know, just doing the cleansing the work and the rearrangements. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful work. It takes a, I mean, it's a journey. It definitely is. So let's get
0: back to the modalities that you have been using to process things that like you had mentioned from your childhood and sorting through those identities. What are the modalities or Processes that you've used, books or teachings.
1: So very interestingly, um, about three years ago, before my birthday, I started hearing for the first time in my life about Reiki. And so, within a week, I have three different people, like an article in a magazine, or someone talking about it, and another person talking about it. So I thought, ah, oh, let's go with the flow. Let's let's go. You know, that means if suddenly it's popping up, I'll go there. And my first session with my Reiki teacher, I mean, at that time, I didn't know that I would be learning from her, uh, was I came in and I said, my life is great. I'm so happy. Everything is is great. Um, But I do feel that something holding me back from, you know, uh, stepping into my full potential for my mission. And uh, be careful what you wish for. (laughs) so that's all I can say so at that time I thought, okay I'm just gonna lie down for you know a couple sessions and you know I'm going to I don't know like just whatever like I, I had really like no expectations and um, and I think Reiki is a very very beautiful and subtle modality beautiful energy and it takes months sometimes years I'm sure to unfold what happens you know when you start that that reiki journey and um and so after the first session i really thought well she asked me she said well do you want to learn reiki i'm like no i'm not into that um and i well now i'm reiki master just meaning meaning that i went through three you know kind of levels i'm a no master in any way and um so what happened is Three years ago, interestingly, so I did a headstand on holiday, a yoga headstand. I'm not a yogi. And on that moment, everything felt fine. But what actually happened is that I compressed slightly Mm -hmm. at the neck level. At that time, I did not know what it was. Um, But what happened is that right after that, a few days later, um, I started having extremely painful headaches. Um, nausea, panic attacks. And for three months, I did not know what I had. So it took three months of pain and being in bed exhausted, not being able to look after my child. Um, You know, you go to all the doctors and your blood work is perfect. Um, You know, you do, I did MRIs and I did so many things. Um, My father died of brain cancer and at that time I thought I have brain cancer. But of course, that was the, the the grief that was not processed, that was talking. I did not know about that. Um, so Reiki was a big, big part of my uh, healing journey because it is so soothing. And just because when you put your hands on yourself, it's just it helps with so much. Um, and... Um, after, so after running around to all the doctors for three months and doing all the tests possibles under the sun, I started to understand that allopathic medicine just views things in silos. So you go to the neurologist and he's going to see things from his little perspective. Um, you go to the gastroenterologist and they're going to tell you, well, it's gluten, of course. And then everybody has a different opinion. Nobody can really tell you what's going on. Um, I was prescribed Xanax, for example, for my panic attacks. And I said, no, I really wanted to know what was going on in my body. And I knew that it was not going to appeal that would suppress the symptoms would not be helpful on the opposite. And so I started to dig deep and so Reiki was one, um, but then I became very open to everything. So deep meditation journeys, um, what else? Um, some kind of shamanic work where, you know, you just um, you just guided inside and, and, and you go and process things, etc. And what was really interesting is that a lot of the things that I was never aware were a problem for me were actually I realized, oh, actually, I have this and I have that. I call them um, onions, you know, like the, the rotten onions. So I started noticing all these rotten onions that I had inside of me, like, oh, suddenly I realized I I never grieved my father 20 years ago. (laughs) So then suddenly you realize that. And as you mentioned earlier, you realize, oh, I caused suffering to people when I was dismissing their emotions, that kind of thing. And the more I healed my emotions, the more I found the right doctors for me and the right um, healers and people in my life who would support these healing paths and that was so beautiful to see. Um, one of the big things for me as well is uh, nutrition because I was already vegan for two years at that point and of course that was questioned by other people um, but I knew that you're not suddenly deficient and also my blood work was perfect and I know that it's, that's two years in that was not it. I, I could feel that it was something else. And while uh, digging deep, I found about raw food. I found out about Dr. Morse and detoxification, and fruits and fasting and all of that. And when I started to invite fruits in my life on a substantial manner, my body started to feel so much better. My headaches, you know, were gone very quickly after I introduced fruits. And I think it's really important that we step away a little bit from the ego of yes everything is energy but we are not buddhas under a tree somewhere uh, that you know our mind uh, can you know control everything in our reality again we are incarnated in the human experience when you look at the human body what takes what is central to the human body and takes the, the biggest part of the human body is the digestive tract that means what we eat is extremely important we cannot pretend that uh, we can just uh, breathe air and sunshine, at least not in the lifestyle that we have when, you know, most of us I think live in communities and big cities, et cetera, uh, it's not really conducive to that. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying let's just be real and work with what we have. Um, and, uh, and so nutrition is extremely important. And for me, I really went after it as a, in a holistic way going at, okay, let's address my diet. Let's address my thoughts. Let's address the music I listen to. Let's address the the content that I watch. Let's address, um, yes, the emotions, the mind, everything. And I think when you do that, you just um, go a bit quicker. And what was really beautiful in my journey, and that's why I invite anybody to go deep and, and heal himself and herself, is because when you do that, You and you do the forgiveness work, you will see people from your family heal themselves. So as a result of my own healing, not just me helping and guiding other members of my family, but just the fact that I would do it, it would untie some knots. And I could see my mother starting to heal in beautiful ways, emotionally, mentally, um, physically as well. And then my sisters and then my uncle and my aunt. So around me, there was this, you know, ripple effect of, wow, when you start healing yourself and you go deep and you are open, then you are also able to hold space without for other people to do that. Um, so yes, I mean, I embraced a lot of different things. For me, Reiki, definitely a major one. And another modality that I really liked is, um, I think it got imprinted on me when I received it but um, I use my body as a pendulum for yes, no answers. And then I regress very, very deeply um, to current life, past lives, um, to just identify the programs and the construct and unbuild them and just rebuild the foundations, integrate on, on, on a good basis, on a healthy basis. Um, and I really like and connect personally with that because I think it's a very um, effective and quick um, modality. And that's something that I've been doing for when I have a question for myself. Um, and I would, I don't facilitate with other people at the moment. I know I will be called to do that at some point, um, but timing is not there yet. Uh, but for now, if I have people around me who need that. And if I'm invited to do it, I will do it, but very seldom. Is that the same
0: as muscle testing or um, something?
1: I think it is similar in the principle, but it's not muscle. Um, it's really your own body. The, the, the principle is that a, a yes response will always mm-hmm. be forward. Yes. yes. And a no will be backwards. So I think in that regard, yeah, it is similar. And you just close your eyes, standing up facing north, and then you use that and asking questions and testing, testing, testing. So um, so it's really, really beautiful. It's really interesting and uh, very efficient as well.
0: I love that. I'm gonna get into it as well. I've tri- I tried it a few times, but I think it's that exercising that muscle of intuition and really getting to know and trusting the process.
1: Yes, and then when you hit a level or a big knot or a big onion, um, it's really about also processing it in that moment, you know, um, feeling the feeling and, um, doing the forgiveness work in, uh, like open open, um, I think, I think it's a really, really, uh, powerful way to, to do things. And I think it works well also for people who need to do things by themselves or who don't really want to be touched. Um, it's, and you're conscious the whole time. So, you know, that's, uh, it's very safe. Yeah. When
0: you started talking about Reiki, I started getting full body, as I do Reiki as well, full body chills up and down. It's such a beautiful, beautiful modality.
1: I am forever grateful for Reiki. Uh, During my panic attacks, it helped me soothe myself so much. Um, It helped me also awaken to some truths Um, I mean, during, after Reiki two, I went home and then suddenly I just had a big awakening about, oh, I didn't do my grief and, oh, I was mean to my siblings and my mom and all of that just came up suddenly, you know, like, it's like these walls just crumble and it's, it's very powerful. And you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say that, you wouldn't imagine that it's so powerful because it's so gentle, (laughs) but it is.
0: It's so true. Getting into some kind of esoteric, para personal, or however you want to call it, paranormal experiences, I find that Reiki's really opened me up to that. Like I see visions and things that there's a sort of knowing that I just see more visually when I'm doing Reiki. Is that your experience as well? I'm sure you've seen some far out stuff if you've gone pretty deep with it being a a reiki master
1: yes sometimes and you know we can label it however we want Um, for me again because i've reiki i went deep into reiki and i got into fruits at the same time i do realize that fruits because your body is digesting much quicker because it is the perfect food for humans Um, And that combined with a bit of fasting or juicing, for me, that opens up my intuition big time. So I would have download of information. Um, One thing that I am learning to navigate with is sometimes I'm sitting with someone and I just receive downloads of information about what that person has been through. And um, it's not my place to say anything. Of course, I'm not invited. Um, And sometimes it's things that are deeply traumatic. So <laughs> I'm learning to try to, again, navigate with this and manage this. Um, I never ask, but I, I okay, I'll give you an example. It's silly, but you go and you get a facial and then the person, especially when someone puts their hands on me, <laughs> I see things. So, so this girl and I see her with her grandpa and, you know, like how she loves her grandpa and that kind of thing. And it's so random. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell her, oh, how about your grandpa? Because then it's ego validation you know? like I wouldn't want to interfere or then suddenly get personal with someone that's the nice, funny thing, haha, but sometimes it can be also a lot deeper um, and a lot more um, heavy so again, is it Reiki for sure like it's a big contribution, but fruits as well, um, just being more in tune with yourself um, I think it does open us to feeling more things and seeing things more as they are. Um, and yeah, it's interesting.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that you bring up fruit speak as well because awakening to me is just enlightenment, right? You're, you're loading off things and when you're literally enlightening your body by eating lighter foods, then it invites that channel to be open and more clear. you're inspiring me to go raw again (laughs) i've tried a couple times but yeah
1: i think it's important to do it with uh again whatever we do we need to understand why we do it number one and uh, feeling good and enjoying the journey not being stressed about being a purist being perfect you know i I think that's really really important the the thing with raw you do need access to uh, bigger quantities for sure Um, you do need access as well to a variety of whole foods. And um, I think no need to go into the gourmet, you know, fancy raw. It's really about nourishing yourself well. And it doesn't have to be 100% raw. It can be, you know, 50%, can be 60%. But I think we can all benefit from inviting more fruits in our lives. And I cannot really praise enough how fruits can not just heal, but bring you and make you grow personally. I mean, I'm, I'm so, I mean, all fruits and I'm so grateful uh, for fruits.
0: What's interesting too, um, I don't know if you've done a fast, but I remember doing like a 10 day juice fast while I was doing my breath work training and mm. the things that come up when you're not constantly processing food and all the mental things that happen to make you think that you're starving and all the things that your mind goes through when you think that you're in like a survival mode.
1: Yes, and again, that's why if you do, I do a lot of juicing. Um, I mean, one thing that I think, again, most people can do is one day juicing a week because we, ask for a day off or two days off in a week, but we never give our body a day off. And we need to give our body a day off. I'm not saying we, it's about, it's not about starving ourselves or depriving ourselves. It's about resting and giving our body this opportunity to relax and heal and feel good. And, you know, there's a lot of undigested food anyways. in you know, most of us, you know, digestive tract. So its it's not... I mean, This is something that it's really easy to implement for everyone, one day a week. If you cannot juice because it's expensive, just eat one kind of fruit, okay? Buy a big quantity and have a day of watermelon, a day of, I don't know, whatever fruit you have locally in season. Uh, grapes are fantastic if you are fortunate enough to have uh, access to good quality and uh, non-expensive grapes. Oranges, but just, you know, do that one day a week and try to have that in your life and then yes if you are called to then do longer you know juice fast etc um i think when it comes from a mindset of nourishing yourself and giving yourself that break yes beautiful things happen but also you need to be conscious of having enough calories when i juice i juice 4 liters a day i juice 2000 calories um, not just, you know, 1,000 calorie. when you get, you know, the little juice from outside, the little bottles delivered, and then you're starving and you're in a bad mood. <laughs> That's not how to do things. It's really about having this energy because your body needs the energy to heal, but also your body needs energy to function. If you have to work and, you know, look after your family or cook or whatever. So um, I, I think it's, we should, we can all benefit from a little bit of resets uh, in that regard And yes, the downloads that I have uh, when I juice are pretty um, interesting. And um, as well as for me, it's emotional detox. So sometimes I would have a day, well, I'm super angry today. I have no clue why, but it has to come out. (laughs) So I just isolate myself a little bit to not just, you know, download on other people, but uh, that's that's what it is.
0: I love that. You're bringing the message of allowance because often I get, like you were saying about mental rigidity, I, I often get that way as well. And like, I have it in my mind that I want to go raw and it's like this pinpoint goal and I have to get there. Um, but I'm not, that's not being very kind to me and and,
1: and my body. Yes, and we live in a cooked food, food world. If you go out, for me, when I go out here, there's very few options i can have that are raw yes i can have a little salad and not that i mind what people think but i also don't want to portray an unhealthy way of veganism Mm -hmm. you know so that's more important to me than trying to show that i'm raw and um so it's really about being kind to yourself but also understanding the raw some of the raw foodies i follow it took them five years to transition fully so it takes time and maybe it's okay you know if you depending on again where you live your environment what you have access to you need to work with your environment not against it so just more raw and see what happens for me I'm being I just feel so much better when I'm fully raw but again you can be fully raw and have an extremely fat meal at night and that's not going to make you feel very good you know if suddenly you overcompensate with know avocado or nuts and because you have not had enough good raw calories you know before that um you know it's it's very easy to not make mistakes but you know to to be in frustrating situation and so just following your guidance having more fruits smoothies are a fantastic way to have a lot of clean calories no matter what your diet is um i think Everybody could benefit from having more smoothies in their lives. No dairy milk, obviously. Uh, Even no milk, just water. You know, banana water dates, done. Beautiful, affordable. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of of things that we can do in a very simple way.
0: So, is there any last messages that you want to impart in terms of your work and we didn't even get into your movie how did you come into calling it let us be heroes i love that title
1: so i started actually my project um, my social media and um, project let us be heroes right away when i started public speaking and for me, let us be heroes is really a calling to put our best step forward, to be our greatest version. I don't think that when you don't eat animals and when you're conscious, you're a hero. I don't think that. Uh, but it means let's be our greatest version. And it sounds better than let's be our greatest version. <laughs> but yeah, let us be heroes. It's just let us let us be our own heroes, our, our own hero journey. That That's what it is about. So... Um, so that's the title. And um, yes, I mean, I really invite anyone to watch it. It was very important for me that it would be uh, free on YouTube for everyone. And I, I was, I mean, I am blessed to have met inspiring people and um, that got to share their stories and their perspective in that film. And I think, um, yeah, I think this is the very minimum thing that we should all know when it comes to our food choices, um, I tried my best to just put it in that short film.
0: Yeah, I really loved the, that you used the word hero because when I started, when I became vegan, that's how I felt. Not, not so much that because I was eating vegan, I was saving the world. Although there are aspects of that, like the environmental impact and of course the animal impact just the feeling that you have inside that your ethics are in line with your actions. And I think that that's, it just makes you feel in that hero state because you are living your best potential at that point when you're, when those two things meet.
1: Yes. I think you really are living your hero's journey. So, you know, you've been through, um, you know you've ignored the call for a long time and then you go through the challenges and you come out of that more empowered and more educated and that's really an important journey and i wish everybody can take that journey for themselves and see how they feel see what they are capable of doing and just you know completely let go of any limiting beliefs any limits that are put upon ourselves and that we keep we like to keep tight also on ourselves Um, and i think yes um, what you eat is extremely important in that regard it does play a very very big role
0: well thank you so much for your time rebecca i really enjoyed listening to you and learning from you and if anyone out there can take the time you have a tedx talk as well where can people find you
1: Yes, so um, let us be heroes, all attached across all social media. And um, yeah, let us be heroes um, on uh, YouTube as well. And, you know, I'm very uh, open, so please get in touch, please connect. Um, I I am so grateful to share, you know, some of my journey and my perspective. Uh, By no means, I think this is the only way or, you know, a better way but it has been the better way for me for sure
0: great thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode of awake the tribe podcast if you would like to tell your own story please connect with me on instagram at awake the tribe or on my website awake the tribe.com you may also email me at rhoda R H O G A at awake the